Welcome back to Since Nobody Asked. I'm Megan Kevney. Let me tell you about the bond that I feel with other women when I'm walking on the street and I see them in the same wild fable Target puffer jacket that I'm in. There's so many different colors and it was literally $40. I think I got it on sale for $30 and I bought this like, oh, whatever. It's going to be such a flimsy piece of shit jacket, but it's so cute. It's such a cute color and it's a great jacket. So if you're in the market for a cheap puffer that is not a piece of trash, go to Target. It might be sold out. Honestly, brace yourself. It really might be out of stock. These are selling like hot cakes. Um, I literally stopped girls in the street. I'm like, is that the Target puffer jacket? And they're like, yeah, is that the Target puffer jacket? I'm like, yeah. It's such a bond I feel with these women because we all, I've had conversations with all of them. I'm like, did you have any, this is such a great jacket. Who knew? She's like, I know. I had no idea. It was so cheap. I know. Such a bargain. Oh my God. So buy it for the community, the sense of togetherness you'll feel with other people wearing it. Um, Just for that is worth the $40. Could not recommend enough. Also, almost got hit by a car. Um, I frequently do that. I really am bad at crossing streets. I'm trying to work on it because I don't have health insurance right now. So February 1st, that's when I get it. Um, So crossing my fingers that I don't lose an appendix um, or that I don't get hit by a car. I'm trying really, really hard to not get hit by cars. But you know, they just (laughs) life comes at you fast. Sometimes they come out of nowhere. So... Let's see. What do we got? Like 10 days left until I have health insurance? Cute. Really love that for me. I have had so many stints of time where I in my life where I've gone without health insurance and I'm like, it's fine. It's like fully not fine. Um, so here's to hoping... I said this last time too, but here's to hoping this is the last time I ever have to go without health insurance because it gives me crippling anxiety and I lose sleep over it sometimes because one time my friend, he had to get his appendix out and we looked at the bills and it would have cost $30,000 without health insurance. So I swear, swear to God, if mine comes out tonight, I'm going to go fund me, all of you. Um, so this week I wanted to talk about something that's a little heavier, but I want to mix some other shit in because, you know, don't want it to be a downer, but it is something that's very much part of my life. And the thing is, it's very much a part of all of our lives. And I think a lot of us, a lot of people don't realize it. Um, I want to dive into talking about disordered eating and my experience with it because, I said that I would, and if I don't do it quickly, then I just will bail and not talk about it at all. But I really want this to be a platform for airing that kind of stuff out. And I didn't realize how bad mine was or how much I needed to go into recovery and really get help for this until I started um, following some eating disorder recovery accounts, talking, you know, people talking about their experiences. And I was like, whoa, why do all of these things? And yikes. <laughs> um, so, you know, not to make anyone feel yikes, but. of my friends, I I had kind of came out with it or like said something about it on Instagram last summer. Uh, 95% of my friends had no idea that I had an eating disorder uh, because in my head, it was really obvious. I was lying all the time about what I was eating, what I was not eating and what I was, how many times I'd worked out that day and like all these different things. And, um, I was a fitness instructor at the time. And so doing three workouts in a day was like, wow, you're a fucking badass. And I was like, ha, I fucking hate myself. Thanks so much. (laughs) Um, You know, no one had any idea and everyone would celebrate certain things I was doing that were very toxic. And it wasn't, I don't blame people for doing that. I'm not going to sit up here and be cancel police. Like that's so fucking annoying. Um, And it's not the way for anyone to learn. Um, and I've had, you know, the more I talked about it, I had friends who've reached out to me who said, I'm so sorry about this and this. And I'm like, you know, it, it's okay. And I don't, I want this space to just be a place where we all learn together on this journey. Um, you really probably have a friend who's struggling and you have no idea. Um, so I want us to all just learn together. And I would like to have a dietitian on at some point um, who is eating disorder recovery educated and speaks against tracking everything you eat and um, eating 1200 calories a day. That shit is so fucking toxic. Uh, And so I'm really into fuck diet culture, dead ass, dead ass. I want to make hats or like sweatshirts or some shit. Cause like I would fucking wear that. I would wear fuck diet culture. And if, if I saw a girl wearing that on the street or a guy, you have no idea. Actually a handful of my guy friends reach out and said, I struggle with this too. So do not discriminate it. All genders experience this, uh, disordered eating, eating disorder, all of it. 
And we'll talk about the difference between eating disorders and disordered eating. There's a lot to learn. Um, but if I saw a girl or a guy or anyone walking down the street with a sweatshirt that said, fuck diet culture, I'd be like, yeah, fuck that. Let's go, bitch. Like, I would just start walking wherever they were going. I'm like, who we mad at, girl? Let's go. <laughs> so, I don't know. Let me know if you would buy that because maybe I should do that. Yeah. Actually, let's maybe chat about that. So fuck diet culture. I'm here to chat about my experience. I don't have a ton of answers. I am not a professional. Um, Full disclaimer, this may be kind of triggering for some people. So if you need to skip this episode, will not hurt my feelings at all. And if you really feel like this doesn't apply to you, it it might. Um, Feel free to tap out if it gets too much for you. I promise I'll sprinkle in some uh, good little tidbits of other stuff. But really the entire episode is going to be mostly about my experience with this and I want to normalize it. It's a very daunting conversation. I have no idea how to bring it up, especially with dating because I still don't know, but I don't know how to tell a guy. It's a huge part of my life right now. And I don't know how to say that because everyone gets very like, Oh oh boy, like, what do I say? What do I do? And everyone kind of freezes up. So if this episode can bring any level of comfortability around a topic that feels foreign to you, then that's just grapes. Um, I think it's really funny to say grapes instead of great without acknowledging it at all. Um, me and my friends do that to people sometimes and just like watch their head tilt. <laughs> like, okay, grapes. And they're like, did they, did they just say grapes? So moving on. Um, <laughs> I... <sighs> Boy, it's it is it's heavy and it's a little hard to talk about, but we're gonna get through it. Okay, so the way that I found out that I struggle in this realm is I actually was in a psychology class that was my major, and I they were reading off the symptoms in college. By the way, um, they were reading off the symptoms of an eating disorder, and I was like, mm, "What?" Like I turned to my friend and I was like, "That's not." do you and your friends not do that? And she was like, no, 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 no. Do you? And I was like, uh, no, but yeah, definitely. Turns out me and a handful of friends went to college and all found out we had eating disorders. Um, so I was like, that's weird. I ended up talking to a counselor about it like a year later at, in college, like some school counselor or something. Um, and The frustrating thing around it is there's such little research on it compared to other disorders. Um, A lot of it is very outdated. So at the time, this is in like 2010, 2011, I said, I think I'm struggling with something that is a new DSM-5 disorder called binge eating disorder. And she said, okay, well, tell me about your experience. And I said, I just, even when I'm not hungry, I just completely more than stress eat. It's like, I just barrel through things and it feels, I dissociate from reality when it's happening. And, you know, to a sense to on a spectrum, there's like everything exists on a spectrum in all of this. Um, so it's very hard to talk about because a lot of people can say like, well, I go through that. And yes, sometimes people go through it and it's not a big deal. They're like, oh yeah, that's like every Sunday for me. But I go into a very, very dark place when that happens. And I attach so much of my self-worth to what I eat and what I weigh. There was a lot of comments around what I should and shouldn't eat when I was growing up. It was very much like... I thought you wanted to be skinny. Why are you eating that? Um, you know, didn't you eat earlier? Um, what are you doing? Like there was just kind of no matter where I went, I felt like people were watching what I was eating. So I told this counselor, I said, I feel like I barrel through food sometimes and it feels a little bit more like a little bit more than stress eating. And I just heard about this disorder and I'm curious about it. And she said, well, what did you eat? And I said, I had a whole box of wheat thins. And she said, oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're that, you don't have that then because binge eating disorder is about nonstop eating junk food, bitch. That's not fucking true. By the way, I was, I'm, I'm still frustrated to this day that she was not educated, but at the same time, there was not enough resources. So I kind of, shut my mouth and never 
said anything to anyone about it for eight years. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. I feel super fucking dumb. Thanks so much. Now I'm embarrassed that I told you that. I guess that's normal. Guess I just cripplingly hate myself when I eat certain things. And I guess that's just normal. So I continued on with my life. And um, I was. it wasn't until I moved to Chicago and I started, um, I lost a lot of weight because this is where it gets a little tricky, but... Um, I was diagnosed with a hormone disorder called PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. I've always had, um, cysts on my ovaries and a lot of other weird, like it was actually during the pandemic and it just started and it was in April and it was the time when you couldn't even go to a doctor at all. So I was, did not have health insurance at the time. Hey, and had to pay like $200 out of pocket for this endocrinologist. I said like so many different things were going on with my hormones that were so off. I was like, something's going on. I need to talk. I won't, I guess I won't get into all the details of that, but maybe a little much, but I knew something was really off with my body and I was not at all expecting to get this diagnosis of PCOS. And so whenever I first moved to Chicago, flashback two years, I got onto this vitamin supplement called Balance. It's by a company called an Alani New. Um, I'm not, if you struggle with PCOS, it does very much help. Other than that, I'm not, you know, do your own research on what you take and all these things, but it helps a lot with PCOS. I did that and I was cutting out gluten in my life because I realized... <laughs> Honestly, I realized that I had like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to say this. I was having like explosive diarrhea like two or three times a week and also just thought that was normal. <laughs> I was like, wait, I don't think my body handles gluten very well or something. So I kind of narrowed it down and realized that it was gluten. Like I felt better when I cut it out. I did keto for a little while and I felt great without it, except keto actually made me very sick. I got sick like once a month with something, but um, couldn't really am not. Do not do keto. It's very, unless you are a child with epilepsy, it is not. We'll get into that. Fuck diet culture. But so, anyways, I wanted to cure the fact that I was experiencing those tummy troubles. And so I had gone gluten free and started taking this vitamin that helps with PCOS. I had no idea I had it at the time. It's like very hereditary. One in 10 women actually have it. So it's incredibly common. Um, and it can cause a bunch of really scary things, but it, I do not experience, uh, you know, I don't have. Those things, uh, it can it, you can experience infertility from it, and I have no idea if that's something I struggle with because I'm not at that point in my life. But there's a lot of other symptoms that you can manage through different diet and lifestyle changes. So I had no idea this supplement really helps with that and cut out gluten, which is also frustrating that there's not a lot of research around how much of a connection there is. But I found a girl on TikTok who is a dietitian and she works with girls with PCOS and she said dairy-free, gluten-free really helps. So I did that and I dropped 15, 20 pounds so fast, like so fast. And my lifestyle changed a lot. I was walking everywhere, didn't have a car. I was just kind of, I was a fitness instructor. I was working five jobs, girls doing a lot. And so I was on my feet a lot and I just dropped so much weight so quickly and everyone really noticed it. Not only did I feel like people noticed it, like my weight loss, I felt like people noticed me more. I felt like I was treated a lot differently. I felt like what I had to say was more interesting. I felt like I could walk into a room and completely command it. I was more confident than I've ever been. I'm, I'm actually a pretty confident gal. I'm not sure if that's apparent, but it just took it to the next level. And I felt really special. I felt different than I ever had. And I leaned into that. First of all, I felt great that I wasn't eating gluten. Um, it, I didn't understand. I, I'm, I never eat it and then it completely ruins my life. I don't have like celiac or anything, but I just know that when I eat a lot of it over the course of like a week, I feel like absolute dog shit. So I was like, okay, I don't understand it, but I'm going to cut it out. And I was just really active and um, taking those supplements. So I lost a lot of weight. I got a lot of attention for it. And I went up and down with trying to see, kind of pressing into it a lot and seeing how small I could get. But I 
had to be careful because I was doing so many things. Um, I was on my feet all the time. I was a teaching class. Um, I was teaching spin where I had to be doing the workout with people so I couldn't just like collapse. So I had to eat enough that I could get by in my life. Um, And then I had two back-to-back rejections from these guys. I just dated these guys um, kind of close to each other and both of them just... It just didn't work out. It wasn't the end of the world and it, you know, wasn't, they just didn't work out. And I was the smallest I had ever been. I get chills kind of looking back at some of the photos of me at that time. Um, I, because I remember thinking like, oh, I hate like that. My, I hate my stomach is like kind of poking out over these shorts right here. Or like, oh, I wish I fit into these. Or like, I see myself in all these pictures trying to fit into clothes that are still too small for me. And I was a bottle girl and all the girls around me, I just always felt like bigger than them. And I was really toned. And I like, I remember one time I was literally carrying a bottle out to this table and I was like doing the thing where like you have the bottle of vodka, like, and, and I was like moving it up down, like, nah. and this guy goes, Oh my God, you're like jacked. And I was so embarrassed. I was like, Oh my God, please don't say that. Like I just felt big. And it's it truly gives me chills to look back at these photos. How many? How much of my collarbone you could see, and how how big I still felt. And I had cellulite on my legs still. And I remember thinking, I was like, okay, I'm in really good shape. Like I'm the smallest I've ever been, but I still have cellulite, so I'm not there yet. Like I truly wanted to be 15 pounds smaller than I was. I remember even one of my friends said, "Would you ever get a boob job?" And I was like, "I think that I would." First of all, absolutely no fucking shade. I fucking love boob jobs. If you don't want a boob job, no fucking shade. Like I love natural boobs too. Whatever you want to do. People make decisions for tons of different reasons. I'm on the, I can't decide personally for myself, but I said to one of my friends because of like my stature, I was like, well, I, I only want them if I'm like really, really small. And I had all these like reasons in my head. I'm like, well, no. And so I said to her, yeah, I think if I got down to this certain weight, I would do it. And I said like a certain pound number that I won't say because it's very toxic to even talk about that. But, you know, like a goal weight because everyone's body is so different. And two minutes later, I was, she was asking about, Uh, we were talking about something about middle school. And I said, I remember that I weighed like 30 pounds more than all my friends. I've always had really muscular legs. Hey, and um, I just remember that I weighed a full 30 pounds more than everyone in seventh grade. And as soon as I was telling the story, I was like, yeah, everyone weighed this and I weighed this. And then I realized, bitch, that what I weighed in seventh grade was the exact same number I had just told my friend two minutes prior that if I got down to that weight, I would get a boob job. I am fully 29 years old and I was truly, literally, actually trying to weigh what I weighed when I was 13 years old. That's an unwell bitch. <laughs> so it just, I was the smallest I'd ever been, two rejections back to back that really kind of hurt and I, it just broke my fucking brain, bitch. Like I was like, <laughs> wait, what? Excuse me? I am so small and I work this hard to be this small and I eat three eggs every Sunday and that's it just for people to still not want to be with me? (laughs) Like, I didn't understand it whatsoever and bitch, I spiraled and went off the deep end for a minute. Like, I was, hold on, I think this, okay, my candle was just almost lighting my lampshade on fire. Smokey the bear would be so disappointed in me. Jesus Christ, gonna move that. Um, so yeah, I was, it was very eye-opening that I, I couldn't even see it for months, but that was really what sparked this huge, really deep dive into, okay, you know what? I just need to get smaller. I just need to push harder and I just need to lean into this more. And how many times can I work out and how much can I completely bold face lie to people about what I'm eating? I would show up to dinner dates and be like, oh my God, what? I thought we were just getting drinks. And like, I would always pop, I won't, I mean, I won't like give people tricks and tips on how to have one, but I would do certain things to make myself not hungry. Um, 
<laughs> that sounds like I'm talking about drugs, but I'm not. <laughs> But um, I would have all these tricks about how I would be able to get through the night. And as soon as I started drinking, I would just barrel into drinking because I was trying to avoid how hungry I was. And I would try to get so drunk that I would just go home and fall asleep. Like the drunk, I would try to eliminate drunk eating by literally just being so hammered that I could barely get myself like up the stairs. Uh, the stairs, hello, I took an elevator. But you know, you know, whatever it is, and. I would show up to dinner dates and act like I didn't realize it was about dinner. I'm like, I thought we were just getting drinks. And they would be like, okay, what? And I would just like pick at things and be like, oh, I, like, I ate. I'm so sorry. I feel so stupid. Anyways, like, what do you do for work? And like, blah. And guys started to really notice like that I wasn't eating or they would sit like, or whenever I would eat, it was very restrictive. I had so, so many food rules like, Oh, okay. I don't eat gluten or like, Oh, I'm not eating dairy right now. Or, Oh, I only eat this and that. Like once I start with food rules, I start to feel really like as fucked up as it is. I would feel like strong and like I had a lot of self-control. So I'd be like, okay, what else can I cut out? And like, what else can I cut out? And I loved that people made fun of me for like, oh my God, Megan's just going to get four poached eggs. And like, that's always what she did. Also, I was broke as motherfuck. So I would show up and be like, can I get four poached eggs and a pitcher of of, uh, mimosas? And like, I was known for that. And I liked that I was, I was took pride in the fact that people noticed, um, that I wasn't, that I was really fit. And, you know, as messed up as that was, I, I really was like, wow, I'm like doing such a good job, but I was eroding myself and I was not only shrinking my body, but I was just shrinking my spirit. Like I was so focused on what I looked like that so many guys I dated, not all, but a lot of guys I dated in that time, all I was looking for was looks because all I cared about was my own looks. And then I would be frustrated when these relationships lacked any depth. And I'm like, well, hello. Like I'm not, all I can see past is like how much they like how I look. And uh, I just would kind of stare at the way they stared at me and I would just fall into that. And then I would be so not involved in these relationships because I just cared about how skinny I could get. And it was very distracting and it was weird to let someone in. I already have problems letting someone in, but that was especially, you know, I don't know how to work into a third or fourth date that I regularly try to erase food from my body, you know? Um, And sometimes we all have our shit and we all have bad weeks. I do not think that this makes me um, any more... I'm not that much different than everyone else's experience just with having our own shit. But, you know, a really bad eating disorder week was really difficult to describe to someone like, hey, <laughs> yeah, there were um, there were donuts at somewhere I was at and I accidentally ate one and then I had another one and because I deprive myself of these things so often. That's the other thing is the more you restrict food, the more that you binge it. Your body... It's there's a science behind it, and I can definitely give everyone some resources about it if you need that because there's so so much stuff out there because of Instagram and TikTok. Dead ass Gen Z will save us all, I swear. But um, it was really difficult to explain to someone that if I ate a muffin, it really made me want to crawl up in a hole in my bed for days. That's not. A, an appropriate reaction to food. Food is a part of life. I used to wish that I didn't have to eat food. I was so scared of it and I would be so nervous. I remember one time years ago, years, I was eating Costco pizza, which is one of my favorite foods. Um, and I had every single finger on the pizza and my friend was making fun of me because he tries to touch all his food with like as little fingers as possible. He's like, you are always sticky. <laughs> like he's like, I bet you were just a sticky child. Like you have your food, you have your hands all over your food all the time. And it's really interesting actually, because I did, I had all my hands or all my fingers on my food and I would just grip it. He was like kind of laughing. He's like, are you nervous right now? Like, are you good? Because the way you're holding your pizza, looks like you're nervous. I was like, that's actually kind of wild because yes, it was one of the first times I realized how nervous food makes me. And whenever I was wearing an Apple watch, um, which I swear I go through times where I will literally charge my Apple watch. I don't even know where it is. Uh, I'll charge my Apple watch and I'll wear it 
for like three months and it will be all I'll talk about. I'm like, um, by the way, I got a text. Thank you so much. Sorry, I missed what you said because I had a text and like hold up my watch. But then it will die and I you know, charge it every night, but one day I'll just be like, I don't feel like charging it today and I won't see it for six or seven months. But I used to wear it all the time. And if you don't have an Apple Watch, you might not know that um, I'm trash. I literally won it from some prize at work, but I did not buy it. It vibrates when your breathing is off. Like if you are anxious or if for whatever reason you stop breathing, it'll, it'll vibrate to be like, hey, hey, breathe, bitch. Almost every single time um, I would eat in front of people, it would say, breathe, like breathe. Every like couple minutes, I would just stop breathing when I would be eating around people because I just thought that there was, I thought everyone was looking at me and I thought everyone was worrying about what I was eating. When I was growing up, I had some different situations where people commented a lot on what I was eating. And that pressure... I really internalized it uh, growing up, and that kind of started, the, you know, this whole process a little bit. But then I had a lot of pressure whenever I moved to Chicago about what I was what I was eating became a topic of conversation because of what I did, like because. I was a fitness instructor and I would run around in a sports bra and leggings all the time, which I still do. I just love that kind of outfit. It's a bad bitch vibe and I really like it. Um, Or because I would work at bars and clubs and would wear these skimpy kind of outfits. Actually, they weren't even always skimpy, but just because I was like their bottle girl, people felt entitled to talk to me about my body all the time. Like my body was such an object of conversation for them to tell me how much they hated their body. They're like, oh my God, well, if you teach spin, you look like that. Like, oh, I never work out. I, I hate my body. I wish I had like yours. I mean, it sounds bizarre to even like recount that because you would think for how hard I tried to be smaller that those conversations would make me feel better. But it just was this surreal moment where I was like, wow, this girl literally wishes she had my body. And I hate myself. Like I am looking at every other girl that I'm working at this club with and we're all wearing the same fucking outfit. And I think I look the worst. And this girl, this poor girl is, you know, sitting here saying like, Oh my God, like, and I've been that girl. I've been that girl who's drunk in a bar saying like, you look so good in that outfit. I would never look good in that outfit. And it's, it's weird how much you just hear yourself saying it and you're like, Oh, whatever. Like I'm just getting it out. But it was this, I swear if there's ever a movie about my life, um, which I fantasize about sometimes, I think that a pivotal scene about my late 20s would be me in a club. It would be a really cool song though in the movie because it like when I worked in these clubs, the music was fucking bumping. Like, oh my God. So it would be a dope ass song that was like, bah, bah, bah. And it would be me walking through the club, sea of people, everyone in my way, some drunk guy stepping on me and telling me to move, some girl being fighting with her friend and, it, and pushing each other into me, me trying to get through them, hearing this. We had these earpieces on when we worked in the clubs and they would say like, hey, ice to table four. Hey, Kylie, where are you at? Hey, someone's trying to sign up to table eight. Where's table eight? Where's table eight? Hello, is anyone there? Are you there? Do you have your earpiece in? Someone tell Megan to put her earpiece in. And I'm like, ha! And it would be me walking through the club, listening to that, some song bouncing, everything just like a fucking mess, and me trying not to have a complete panic attack because all I could hear, the voice in my head about how my body's not good enough was still louder than that, than all of that. It was screaming above any other volume of my life. Ew, bitch, I'm about to cry. Like, it really was just profoundly dark. And people were, all they were doing was were praising me about how good I looked. Or anytime I saw someone that I haven't seen in a while, I would get DMs left and motherfucking right of how have you lost so much weight? What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, <laughs> called really low self-esteem and pushing the limits on what you can do to your body in the worst way. Let me know. Like it was just, I never knew what to say. And I kind of would say like, before I realized how bad it was, I was like, well, I'm doing this and this. And I wasn't always pushing the limit. You know, I really did get very healthy when I moved to Chicago at first. I felt really good not eating gluten. And so it's this teetering line that I'm now starting to cut gluten out again. And it's triggering sometimes cutting certain things out. I do feel so much better. I haven't had gluten in over a month. I could not tell you how good I feel about it, but there is still a part of my brain that's like, 
okay, what else can I cut out? And, and, and it feels oddly strong to be able to cut something out like that because um, just the other day I was out to eat with, or we were getting drinks uh, with friends and they put bread on the table, lit. I love a place where you're getting drinks and they give you bread. Um, they have their priorities, right? Um, and Steve, one of my friends was like, how can you look at bread and not eat it? And truly, I just feel like such shit when I eat it over the course of time that it really is worth it. I, I feel better without it. And I know that. Um, I'm still working out. My relationship with gluten has been such a tumultuous one. And I, I felt myself go kind of mentally back to how I used to be proud of that. And um, so I'm working that out of how to do things that feel good for my body without completely making my body this battlefield just to be a different size. Um, So I'm working through that. And so when the pandemic started, I would never, of course, everything that's happened in 2020 um, was no one is grateful for the pandemic um, at all. I will say I would have never slowed my life down enough to realize how bad it was and how much I needed to get out of this. Um, I would never have realized how scared I was of food, how mean I was to myself in workouts. Working out by myself was very eye-opening. I would fucking cry sometimes. I, I would be so mean to myself, like where in a studio, when you're going to a fitness studio to work out, it's easier to kind of zone out and focus on just being faster than the girl next to you or like just crushing a song or like listening to what the instructor is saying. It's a little bit easier to get out of my head for me when I go to these studios. But when I was doing all this stuff by myself with my, I had a spin bike and one dumbbell, thank you so much. Um, I would look at those in my apartment and they would just mock me in my head. Like I would think like, oh, I shouldn't be watching TV. I should be doing that. And then I would just feel so bad about like not working out because it was a fucking lot. 2020 was obviously a lot. And I didn't really feel like working out by myself all the time. It just felt weird and off. And I just missed the gym and I missed my routine. And it kind of held me up like a scarecrow going to work and going to work out. I felt like work, Megan. And I felt like workout, Megan. And doing it all, both of those things at home, I felt like a fucking loser. Like cold calling all summer long um, for when I was in staffing sales. And be like bombing these calls and then having to just sit there on my couch, I was like, it's so much harder to shake it off when you're just in your living room and it's a mess or whatever. And you're like, God, I'm a moron. Like, ah, I hated that call. That was such a weird voicemail. I just left. No one's going to call me back. Um, but then same with working out. I would, something that, it, you know, if I kind of half-assed to work out when I was in the studio, I'd be able to walk out of the studio, shake it off, move on with my day, kind of. But it was a lot harder at home. I just basically thought I was just kind of a piece of shit, I guess. And I didn't realize that till I was at home all the time and I was just in my own energy 24-7. I wanted these routines and these environments, this office with like a bunch of cool pens and like a really cool view of the city. And like, cause that made me feel like I was a different Megan and I would show up to work, you know, to my actual job and my emails and my cold calls differently because I was in work Megan mode. Same thing with working out. Like I didn't think working out was that serious because I was doing it with everyone else and whatever. I'm just going to class and I'm just doing it a couple times a day and like whatever. I just push myself so hard. I think I'm going to pass out sometimes and like, it's fine. But when you do that, when you strip yourself of all these things, you really have to come face to face with what you really think of yourself in these roles. (laughs) And turns out I thought I was a fucking loser deep down. I've had to really combat that. Um, I'll talk about that in a different episode with work because boy, do I have so much to say about that. But with working out, working out by myself, if I half-assed something, I was like, I'm going to half-ass. It would, it would s- kind of snowball so quickly. Like I would do some move, like some ab move that I was like, God, I hate these. And I was like, of course I hate these because I'm just going to gain weight and it's never going to stop. And who knows how long this is going to last and who knows how much weight I'm going to gain. I'm like, whoa, 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 bitch. Back it up. It's like it just gets to a point where it's quicksand. And you do not have to have a disorder to feel like that. Sometimes it just feels like you drown in your own thoughts and it can be scary and you start to just lose yourself. So what I've done since then is tried to find a center of gravity um, outside of myself. That's actually something I stole from something on Instagram the other day. But really, I 
completely centered myself around how many times a week I worked out. And that would make me feel like a person. I would not feel like a valid person if I didn't do that. I used to be so scared of skipping a workout that then if I skipped one and then I'd skip the next day and then I'd skip, like it just, it just would mountain up into this huge fear that was disproportionate to the So I hope this episode isn't bumming anyone out because let me say this. I tell this as a story. I do not need anyone to feel sorry for me that I went through this. I really don't because I'm still going through it. And I do not need anyone to apologize to me. If you've told me that I'm skinny or you've asked how I've lost weight, I do not need you to apologize. I just want all of us to understand a little bit more about um, what we all go through. I really believe that if we all slowed down enough, told each other enough stories, listened to each other enough, asked enough questions that we really all could understand all of what we all go through. Even even if it's just a little bit. Just knowing that my friends, I mean, even when I came out with it on Instagram, it just felt like the easiest way to tell everyone I knew um, that I struggle with this. It just was very calming for people to know. Um, there's not a lot my friends can do. I've asked some of my friends, you know, to when I'm feeling really in a weird spot, I've asked some friends to say, Hey, can you, um, I want you to know I feel weird going into this dinner. Can you split a dish with me? Or like, can you know, I, I feel like not eating. Can you, let's, let's get this together. Or, um, just even telling a friend, Hey, I feel kind of triggered. And I just want you to know that going into this dinner and knowing someone else knows that I can't really get away with as much stuff. Um, And it's just very grounding for people to learn about something that is my everyday. I almost checked myself into like inpatient treatment for this twice in 2020. I really was completely unraveled by this. And I really truly did not because I remember not knowing what to do about my job. I didn't know how to tell my boss at the time, hey, I want to look into leave of absence options because I don't know what to do with this. I am so swallowed by this. I don't know what to do with myself. And I was too scared to say it because I didn't think that I'd understand because I was not um, clinically underweight. I looked just like anyone else. And you would never look at me and know that I struggled with deeply with an eating disorder. Um, and that I just couldn't do it. I could not stomach the idea of people doubting it because I doubted it so much myself. That's a huge part of the disease is convincing yourself you're not sick enough and convincing yourself everyone else does this. Everyone struggles with this. Everyone wishes they were smaller. Everyone sometimes blacks out a little bit when they eat or like, like, oh shit, I ate too much. It's like, oh, it's everyone. It's, it's normal. And that is the most poisonous part of this whole thing. You really walk away from each meal thinking that what you do is normal until you push and push and push the limits of, you know what? If I'm smaller, they won't reject me. If I'm smaller, I won't feel this stupid in my workout. If I'm smaller, I'll get this and that or whatever the fuck you think it is. Or if I'm bigger, I, you know, plenty of other genders experience this. Some people want to be bigger than they are. There's all sorts of different angles to this, but I just want you to know that if you ever feel like you have to use your body as a battlefield in the war of being smaller, you are shrinking so much more than your fat cells. And there is, there is so much to lose. I was a blank stare in so many relationships in 2019. I shudder at how much life I missed out on. Um, and I've, I've been through this for years. It was just, it came to such a head in 2019. And part of me thinks, you know, I really pushed to be, it got really bad because of those two back-to-back rejections. And I just, because of those two back-to-back rejections, I pushed it to a limit that I think really deep down, I wanted to get so small that I could finally ask for help. I wanted to get to a clinically underweight level where I could tell people I had an eating disorder and people would believe me. Um, That is one of my biggest fears is someone scoffing at it or not understanding. Sometimes when I tell people I don't eat gluten, they say like, oh, okay, like, what do you do? Do you just do it to be skinny or like, blah? And I'm like, 
bitch, you don't even understand the tree you're barking up. And, you know, people scoff at that and, and people scoff at things that it has nothing to do with you when people scoff at you. That's their own shit, first of all. But just for anyone to know, you do not have to be a certain weight to get help for this. You do not have to look a certain way to be struggling with an eating disorder. You do not have to go to all these lengths to be sick enough to get help. I know this episode has been heavy. And I know it's been a lot. But for any single person who walks away from diet culture from this episode or from if this makes you curious about other things and you share this with someone or if you look into look at, look at a friend a different way or listen to a friend a different way or maybe see someone at a meal and wonder if they're okay and want to know how to ask a question without being too intrusive. I want to have professionals on to talk more about this. Uh, this has kind of just been my personal experience with this. Uh, I want to hold myself accountable to actually talk about it. Um, so if, uh, if you're in that spot, there is help for you and you do not have to live that way. And if you're thinking about food all the time, if you cannot, if you think you're addicted to food, if you fear food, if you're nervous around it, or even if you just casually diet sometimes and really feel like shit about your body sometimes, you don't have to feel like that. And uh, I would love to lead any kind of conversation away from diet culture and here to educate anyone. Uh, not like I know a ton, but we're just going to talk about it. So after all of that heaviness, I do want to share a couple little other stories just to brighten it back up, remind us that life goes on. We all have our shit. And um, just a reminder that you will always exist underneath whatever you're struggling with. Uh, do not ever convince yourself that if you if you dig hard enough past it, you will always be there. So yearn for that, lean into that because you are worth digging for. Thank you so much. Um, on a different note, to end this on a bit of a lighter note, gonna take a total left turn because I had a realization about dating that. Um, okay. So whenever I was younger, truly it baffled me to my core that I didn't get married or like find the person I was going to marry in college. I was like, wait, what? Like, isn't that how it's supposed to work? Because I have luckily never felt pressure from my family to get married. Even my grandparents, they're very like, eh, whatever, like get married whenever you want. Like, no, like I'm very lucky to have that, especially coming from the South. Um, but I went to a small private school most of college and it was very like, get your MRS degree, girl, like find your husband and get out, um, was more the culture than not. And I worked at like religious summer camps and everyone met their spouses there. And I used to be such a different woman, y'all, led a very different life. And like I left college being like, wait, am I, <laughs> what, what do I do now? I didn't find a husband. So do I just go like work and like get a job? Truly it baffles me that that's how I felt because I consider myself a pretty progressive woman, but I really just at the time was like, okay, now what? So felt like a failure that I didn't find anyone in college, but thank God, Jesus, I think about the kind of people I would have married back then. And I would have been twice divorced by now, girl. But so I had, I've mentioned this before that I really had no vision for my 20s. I also have no vision for my 30s, which I love that I'm about to turn 30 in September. And just, I like when everything's just a surprise. Like I have certain things um, I want to accomplish in my 30s, but I'm like, whatever, bitch, buckle up, let's go. It's going to be fun. Um, so I left college and moved to Dallas and got all my friends to move to uptown Dallas. I was like, let's go. And I used to date very seriously. Like I would kind of date around like, well, whatever. But then when I would really start to like a guy, I would very quickly be like thinking marriage and thinking like, what's next? And what do you want? And they'd be like, whoa, because we were like 22 and I was dating mostly guys my age. Now I date guys who are much older than me. And I don't even think I could date someone my age right now. Um, and I would always feel like I was the one who was more forward thinking about like, well, what are like, what is this? Where is this going? Or like, blah. And I just think I was burned so many times on guys being like, yeah, I, I don't know if it's that serious. Okay. Bye. And so then I just started dating a lot more like 
like flippantly. And I was like, whatever, dating, just I'll just have fun with dating because fucking this feels awful when no one, like everyone, I could keep scaring everyone away with how serious I am about wanting to get married. So I've just been dating kind of flippantly and just having more fun. Um, I don't say that in a, a bad way. There's, it's, I've had a good time. Um, I've dated a lot of different people since then. And I don't really have like a type, which I love. It's more about like a vibe, you know what I mean? And just the other day I was like, well, I guess I'm 29 now. So I could maybe start like not going back to like, so what do you want? Like, where are we going to get married? Or like, man, like I didn't understand the architecture of those kind of conversations when I was younger, but really dating (laughs) with the future more in mind instead of just kind of figuring out like, oh, who should I date right now? Like I really have gotten so much more into who I should date right in this moment or for this season or for until summer or whatever, because I just don't picture these things lasting very long. I'm like, oh, whatever. It's hard for me to picture anyone lasting very long because I was burned by that. And so I ran away from that a little bit. So I think I might start dating with a little bit more intention. Um, but I don't know how that's going to go. So I'm getting back on Hinge again. I go so back and forth every Sunday, right on the dot. Every Sunday, I'm like, okay, I can be a relationship woman. I will get a boyfriend and we'll cook meals together. And there will be a cute montage to some song by Bonnie Vare. And it will be adorable in my head. But then they want to hang out and I have to disappear. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to maybe go into a experimental experimenting with dating more intentionally and dating with I really want to get to know this person and the kind of life they want and see if I want to build a life with them because I sometimes just get so um when I'm nervous dating um, when I'm nervous on a date, I focus so much on myself and how they're perceiving me sometimes that I'm like, wait, I should be wanting to get to know what they want. And that's, can be important to me too, instead of just this one-sided performance act where I'm like, "Ah, please like me. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to experiment with that and I'm just going to keep everyone posted. Okay. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, it's been a deep one. We got through it and, uh, I really look forward to continuing this conversation down the road. Um, about disordered eating. And truly, if you struggle with this, there are so, so many resources. Uh, Find.food.freedom is a great place to start on Instagram. She talks about intuitive eating, which is learning how to trust your body again, which feels terrifying sometimes because you're like, what? What if I just want pizza and ice cream all the time? Like that doesn't make any sense. And we've we've done so many years of fighting against what we crave that it feels terrifying to just give into that. But the longer that you give your body room to feel that out, the more that you understand that it's a body and it knows what it's doing and you do not have to restrict it so heavily or do the Mediterranean diet or do keto or do whatever. Like your body's a body and it knows how to function. Um, she is an excellent place to start. I recommend her highly to anyone who struggles. Also one, you know what, before we wrap it up, one quick story about my flippant dating. When the world opens back up again, I do hope that this place makes it. Uh, this place called Celeste. I actually, they might still be open, but I need to look. I went on a first date there uh, a year or so ago, and obviously before the pandemic. And I, it was going really well. We were like two or three drinks in, and I was like, wow, oh my god, like chemistry was. I wore a top that was way too low cut. I was like, okay, wait a minute. I like went to the bathroom and was like, all of a sudden had a come to Jesus moment where I was like this top is way too, I have way too little fabric on my body for this date, but whatever, going to enjoy it and uh, live my truth. And, um, I was having such a lovely time, totally vibing on like deep stuff a little bit too, not just like, you know, kind of uh surfacey first date stuff, just absolutely vibing. And my, our third drink comes out and I, I'm sure this surprises no one, but I talk a lot with my hands. So I'm like telling the story and I'm being really animated and I'm talking with my hands and I flip this glass off the table with my hand as I'm telling this animated story. When I tell you that it shattered, 
I don't just mean it broke. It turned the glass into dust. Like it went everywhere. It spilled all over me, all over the table. And like, whatever, I guess it wasn't that embarrassing, except I didn't want them to think that I was like fucking hammered. You know what I mean? Like that was more embarrassing to me than actually breaking the glass. I was like, oh my God, I hope they don't think I'm like too drunk to be here and kick me out. Um, So I stood up, it was all over me and I was like, oh my God. And I looked at the guy and I was like, okay, what do I do? And he just saw me kind of freeze and everyone was like coming over to help clean it up. And he just grabbed me and he's like, I like you so much right now. And he kissed me, bitch. Oh my God. It was like the floor fell from underneath me. I was like, wow, I think I love you and I believe in love again. Um, And that was the last time I felt spark. So maybe if I can like lean back into that. So dating's not always, I don't want to be in this place where I'm like, oh, dating sucks. Cause it doesn't, it, it can be fun. Also indoor dining just opened back up in Chicago. So I do not have to sit outside in 12 motherfucking degree weather in order to enjoy a cocktail with a gentleman or a lady actually, because I haven't said this on here yet, but I've always been attracted to women and I've not known, like one time I remember when I was younger, me and all my friends, it was like a big group of us and we had all our like guys we were dating come oh, like we were hanging out and I was upstairs making out with my guy and I remember wishing I was making out with one of my friends and I didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> um, so as that progressed over the years, I've just, I've been with women and I've never tried dating women. I'm not even sure on what, how that even really works, but also kind of dipping my toe into that. So couple things to, to report back with, hopefully, here. Um, hope everyone has a good week. I hope this episode has at least opened your eyes to maybe that uh, different level of issue that some people might face at a brunch that you're at. And that no matter how serious you might think a topic is or how daunting you might feel like it is or it's in, you get a little insecure talking about it, talk about it. Someone out there is going through the same thing. Someone out there is wishing someone else would say it. And since nobody asked, I'm going to talk about it on here. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Megan Keveny. Have a great, great rest of your week.